Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm your host, Amanda Farmer, and it's my job here each week to help demystify the legal complexities of apartment living. And my guest this week is Donna Carroll. Donna has been in the property industry for almost 35 years. She started in real estate as a property manager and advanced to managing the trust accounts for five franchisees within a group. In 2003, Donna started at Len Robinson Strata Management, LRSM, as the assistant to a strata manager. After 12 months, she was taken off to her first strata meeting with one of the managers, and a week later, she was at the Real Estate Institute completing her certificate of registration in strata management. Once she completed the course, Donna was given a small portfolio of 40 buildings to manage. She says at first it was daunting, but it wasn't long before it became second nature to her. At LRSM, Donna was trained by Len Robinson and Graham Davies. Len is a solicitor and between 1980 and 1984, he was the Strata Titles Commissioner of New South Wales. Len lectured at the University of Western Sydney in Strata and Community Title Law for over 10 years and is the author of Strata Title Units in New South Wales for the second to sixth editions. Graham Davies was employed by the Land Titles Office for a period of 40 years and during this time, he was the Assistant Manager in the Plan Registration Branch and Strata and Community Plan Section, Deputy Registrar Plans, and prior to him leaving, the Plan and Title Advisor. So if ever Donna had a question as a new Strata Manager at LRSM, it was just a matter of walking down the stairs and chatting to Len or Graham. And Donna says, Len would always say to her, go and read the Act and then come back to me with the answer. In 2015, Donna became the licensee in charge of LRSM and remains in that position today. She currently manages 109 communities, being a mix of strata and community title. Now, after listening to my podcast episode number 327 a few weeks ago, my chat with strata manager Peter Wilson, where Peter was blowing the whistle on overcharging strata managers, Donna, as well as a number of other listeners, posted a comment under the episode on the website. I found Donna's comment to be well thought out and clearly coming from a place of considerable experience. And so I invited her to join me on the show and share her thoughts with everyone. Plenty of other comments were posted under the episode and over on our Facebook page. Some were posted anonymously. Anyone who posted under their own name and made clear that they were a strata manager with a view was invited by me to come on the show to respond to Peter's episode to correct what they felt needed to be corrected and provide perhaps an alternate view. And it is to her credit that Donna took up that invitation. What follows in this episode is a discussion about the real work strata managers do and the role that owners have to play in taking control of their own destiny. I'll take you over now to my chat with Donna Carroll. Donna Carroll, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Amanda. You are the licensee of Len Robinson Strata Management and how many 
buildings or communities do you currently manage personally, Donna? Myself personally, 109. That is probably 50% strata and 50% community, large communities. I've had experience with large communities, so I tend to be the one that takes those on swimming pool, tennis courts, community centres where I've had that experience for some years. So I'm able to jump into those roles should one of those communities come on board with us. So you are hands-on strata management. So you're answering emails, you're going to meetings, you're guiding strata committees, you're not just overseeing other staff, although it sounds like you're doing that too, but you are the strata manager on the ground for these communities. I am the strata manager and the licensee and trying to uh, look after the staff as well. No wonder you're a bit tired. Yeah. (laughs) Bags under the eyes. (laughs) Now, Donna, after you had a listen to podcast episode number 327 a few weeks ago, that was my chat with Strata Manager Peter Wilson, you wrote a comment on the website under the episode to the effect that what Peter had to say, you said, hit a very sensitive nerve with you. And you said some other things in that comment relaying your opinion on what Peter had to say. And I thought you set that out in quite an articulate way. And I thank you for that. We'll have a link to the episode so others can go and check it out. But when I read that, I reached out to you. You had identified yourself as a strata manager. I said, Donna, I'd love for you to come on the show and tell me a little bit more about how or why it is that what Peter was saying hit a sensitive nerve with you. Over to you. Fill us in. Amanda, It, as I said in my comment, not all strata plants or communities are the same. I just felt, and I apologise if I took Peter's comments incorrectly, but I felt that being a strata manager and all other strata managers, we were being placed in the one basket as we were all out there to rip off owners' corporations. I know myself and a lot of other people that I know in the strata industry work very hard, long hours, and I believe that we should be recompensed for that time that we do. I think I've said a little couple of words here. If we were lawyers, we would be charging by the hour and be charging for the lawyer's time, the assistant's time, the girl who may be, or male who may be doing the photocopying, posting, whatever it may be, and all those fees add up. Why is it so wrong for a strata manager to be able to charge those extra fees after their initial base fee that they charge in their agency agreement? Peter also made the comment that we have a base fee and then all these other extra fees. A majority, I haven't seen any other contract myself over 20 years, but the majority of strata companies use Strata Community Australia agency agreement. Now, as you know, the Office of Fair Trading requires you to set out a few headings on those agreements and you also put into that agreement further additions. They require you to do X amount in that agency agreement. All agency agreements that I have seen have these extras or additional fees as they call them and those fees are either set out as a one item cost or per hour cost depending on the person in the firm who is going to do that work. 
again, going back to not all strata plans are the same. They have a small strata plan. Peter had said he's got a building of three. It may or may not have an issue with having to put into council a annual fire safety statement. He did say that he found that a lot of these strata companies were charging for BAS, GST, tax returns. We also get properties in here where this may happen prior to us taking over. It is a matter of then finding out whether that owner's corporation is required to put a tax return in. It's not up to us. We need an accountant to advise us that or the tax office. Whether they should be registered for GST, is there any pending large expense that's going to come up that they may be able to have GST credits on that? It is all taking that on board and talking to our owners' corporations as to whether they wish to be still in those systems. I think, Amanda, you said in one of your podcasts, the strata manager is here to advise, not to decide. And we all should take that on board and owners' corporations should take that on board as well. They are there to make the decisions, not as the strata manager. If Peter was receiving, or if any of those owners' corporations were receiving their financials and had queries, why hadn't they to that point in time questioned the strata manager, requested a meeting, cancelled them out of the GST system, whichever, that's all it required. I just find sometimes owners' corporations may sit on their hands, Peter did say, it's all too hard and they sit on their hands, but if you want things done, then you need to ask the questions. You need to speak to the strata manager, ask them, or speak to somebody with the experience in that field. Donna, with 20 years' experience in the sector, you have said, and I agree, not all buildings are the same, and you've also extended that to not all strata managers are out there to rip off their clients. Do you see that there are some bad actors, if I can phrase it that way, in your experience inheriting buildings from other managers? Do you see that there are some surprising, disappointing practices out there? Amanda, over the 20 years, myself personally, the buildings that I managed, uh, I started with a portfolio of 40. I now do 109. There is probably 10 of those buildings that came in where I had to take over. Most of my buildings have been from repetitive owners with other strata plans that they own in. I have seen some questionable dealings with their previous strata managers, whether it be meeting notices, whether it be payments, whether it be forms that have been completed and signed, no bylaws registered for works done to the common property, which was a little bit of a eyebrow lifting when Peter said that people now just add it without worrying about it. I'm not here to personally attack any one of those strata managers previously. I do believe in some instances it's training that they may lack or the knowledge that they may lack as to the reason that some of those mistakes are made or they are just time poor and not checking what they are doing. Mm. And in relation to the fee structures, 
you've mentioned a, a couple of different ways of charging there. You've mentioned the hourly rates and lawyers are always used as a, a good example, I think, of professionals that charge an hourly rate. We have legislation that requires us to give an accurate estimate of total legal costs. They're the words used in the legislation. Even though we're charging at an hourly rate, we have to sit down with each client at the beginning of each case and work out what we think the total legal costs are going to be over the course of that case. Then there is the the strata manager model of the base fee plus the extras. And for all the reasons that you have said, that may be a necessary model because we don't know what's going to come up from time to time with every different building. Do you think that the hourly rate system or hourly rate method only could be a viable option for strata managers or is that just too hard or too expensive or too one-size-fits-all to be able to work? Myself personally, I wouldn't be able to work on a per-hour basis As a strata manager, and they'll probably all put their hands up there, you're probably doing four or five tasks at once and you would need your personal PA sitting beside you taking down notes as to 40 minutes with Amanda, 30 minutes with John, and I just I see that that hourly rate charge, that there would be a lot lost in charging. I know myself personally when I'm doing those additional items that may require me to charge per hour. I've lost my little piece of paper that said I did 40 minutes (laughs) Tuesday and and that's been buried underneath somebody's or filed inside somebody's minute book. So, no, I don't see that I could personally work on an hourly basis and I don't know that other strata managers could unless they had assistance in doing so. Mm, It is tough. Having trained many junior lawyers in my time, teaching somebody how to record their time is one of the most difficult, I'll say, and then depending on your business model, the most important tasks within a legal firm. So you're exactly right that it is an incredibly hard thing to learn how to do. If you have been a professional operating on that model for some years, eventually it becomes second nature that every time you stop, you record your time. And we have plenty of great software that helps us to do that. But it would be a a big mindset shift and a big training piece if a strata management company was deciding that that would be their primary way of charging their clients. I agree with that. Where we stick to an agreed services fee that's disclosed in the contract and approved at the meeting, and then we have these additional fees. Yes, those fees are disclosed, have to be disclosed in the contract. They're in that Schedule B, in that long list. Sometimes the print's a little bit small. Do you think, Donna, that your clients read that part of the contract, that they're aware that there are additional fees? What I'm I'm hearing as part of this conversation after we've published my discussion with Peter, is that there is this disconnect between strata managers saying, well, this is what we told you, this is what was in the contract, and then owners being surprised by fees that after 12 months are double what they thought they were going to be charged because of these additional services. So do you think there's a breakdown in communication there? 
Certainly, Amanda, and I'm not here to tell people what to do, but I can send an agenda out, have people attend a meeting. Normally, a AGM would take 45 minutes. Same questions are on there every year and they require a yes, no answer. A few more where owners have requested or the committee have requested a motion to go on the agenda goes on there, which may need some discussion. Majority of owners do not read their agenda. I'm finding that when you're asking the questions that are other motions, and we're only at motion one to confirm the minutes of last year, people are flicking through pages, etc., etc., which all should have been done prior to the meeting. Be ready. Have your questions to ask the manager, but it's just not there. Um, owners coming new into Strata need really to educate themselves into what they have purchased into and what the requirements are of them if they're going on to a committee, etc. Don't put your head in the sand and just say, look, I haven't read the agenda, but yes, no, yes, no. Be educated in what those questions are that are in those motions asking you. And I think if most of those owners out there could educate themselves, that I think there'd be a greater rapport with their strata manager or with the strata managing company that they are dealing with. It is only a matter of a question to answer and you get a 50% response to that. It's either a yes or a no when asking. If you don't feel that your strata manager is responding to you in the way that you expect as an owner or as a committee, put it in writing to them. Say we would really like to have this time or this response in a certain time. If they can't do it, then just say to them, well, we may have to go elsewhere to look for another firm if you you cannot give us the service that we want. As Peter said, he stays with his little three, four, ten-unit complex, whichever it may be, and the larger ones have taken over all the multi-storey ones. That may be the way that Strata is going, that these larger companies are out there purchasing up the smaller companies for one reason or another, being that that previous owner of that company has spent 30, 40 years in the strata industry and now feels that they need to get out. Their staff are then covered by the new organisation that's coming in to take over and it may mean that it's a far better industry for their staff. But ultimately, over the years, apathy has played a lot in strata when it comes to owners and agents knowing what strata is all about, strata and community. Community a little bit different, it's a lot less. But now with our change in the Act, we're coming on a level par with strata as well. I find that a lot of owners say, why did you send me this notice to pay you $463 or $582? And I explain to them that that's a levy that they have to pay for living in a strata or community. Well, I didn't know I was buying into one of these. And I said, what, your solicitor or conveyancer didn't explain that to you? Then maybe you should go back and ask them as to why that wasn't explained. But I said that they 
need to start at square one when they're out there looking actively to purchase into. Is this the lifestyle that I need to live in? Am I happy living in a controlled environment, as we like to say, Mm -hmm. and have rules and regulations to live there? If that's not for you, then don't purchase in strata or community. Do you think that the strata manager has a role to play in this education piece once you've discovered that Unfortunately, you've got an owner who had no idea they were buying into strata or community. Their solicitor or conveyancer hasn't pointed that out to them. They haven't had any education. They then come to you. Do you see that it's the strata manager's role to then educate or if not, then who? How do we help these owners? Personally, I have helped out a lot of owners explaining what they've purchased into and that's just sort of rolled off the tongue. But, and I may seem a little bit insensitive here, I'm not a teacher to teach strata. That's not my role. My role is to act as an administrator for the books and records for the owner's corporation and help the owner's corporation where they have issues. If I needed to train, I'd go out and do training, which I've all threatened at this point in time to do so because The training that is out there at the moment for strata managers I don't believe is adequate enough for them to enter into a role as strata managers. It is far too conservative, it is not hands-on and it's not on the subjects that we play a role in on a day-to-day basis. Anybody can sit and read a book on business risk management It's not what you sit here as a strata manager and do each day. Yes, you may manage a risk by rectifying a fault, but they are not the main day-to-day issues that we find that we're sitting here asking. Can I put a clothesline on my balcony? Can I have a pet in my apartment? Why can't I park in the visitor's parking? Nobody was there overnight. And this just goes on and on. We put strata managers into a position where there is no experience or they sit beside somebody else who's giving them a nudge while they're on the phone and mouthing to them what to say to be able to get through that. That's the inexperienced ones. The experienced ones, they've been there, they've done it, they're able to answer the questions and may sound very insensitive in doing so. I mean, I have had people say to me, well, that was short and sweet and I say, (laughs) but that is the answer. That is the answer. I'm not here to mediate. I'm not here to be the police officer. I can't tell you how much noise Mrs Jones is making from the apartment above with her new flooring. You have to advise on that. I want to return for a minute to the finances and the money question, Donna, because the more I've spoken about this, both on air and off air with strata managers, the more I've come to realize the different procedures that are in place in different companies when it comes to trust accounts and to invoicing for a strata manager's service. And I'm interested to hear how it happens at Len Robinson Strata Management. Do you send your clients monthly invoices before you draw down your payment for your management fee and your additional fees or is it simply that those amounts are drawn from the trust account, they're recorded and if an owner asks, 
to see a breakdown, then you'll provide it. How do you operate? Yeah, the second one, uh, management fees are done towards the end of the month. An invoice is issued to the trust account from the Robinson Strata. That amount is taken and registered in our invoicing filing system. Now, most uh, treasurers will receive a copy of the finances every three months. Most committees that I deal with, and it may not be all committees out there generally, will receive full financials each month to go through. So they are adverse in what those fees and charges are and we'll come back and say, what's the $36 for? Why did we get charged for that? So the more information you can put on the invoice, the better. So they don't have to ask that question. But, yes, our charging is in arrears and that is noted on the agency agreement. If there's those schedule B fees, as they call them, they are also listed meeting 26th of the 7th, 2022 general meeting, whichever it may be. So they have a rough idea as to what those charges are. Mm. I know as lawyers, we operate trust accounts as well, and we have a legal obligation to issue a bill of costs to our client if we are going to draw our fees from the trust account. And we do have clauses in our cost agreement that allow us to draw our fees from the trust account. But I know in my practice, I'm always very careful about making sure I send that itemized bill showing the client what it is that I've done in the last month. And I do give them seven days. I don't have to because I've got a clause in my cost agreement allowing me to draw down, but I do give them seven days to give me any objection to that bill if they have any questions before I draw those fees down. And I'm starting to wonder whether the existence of a trust account, the strata manager's role as the administrator of the trust account, the power that I think some owners see a strata manager has over their own money. I'm wondering if that's where some of this discomfort comes from when at the end of a year, the owners look at what they've been charged by their strata manager, look at what's on the face of the agency agreement and start asking questions about why it might be 20%, 30%, sometimes 100% more than what they thought. They may not be getting or even if they're getting those regular updates, they're not reading them and they're not looking at what it is they're being charged and why until it's all snowballed up to an AGM. And as you say, I see it too. Owners are sitting in the meeting flicking through the papers and going, wow, 20 grand in fees. I thought it was supposed to be 10. And then finally asking the question. So I always like to talk about solutions as much as we can here on the podcast. And this is a difficult area, I think, that we are only just scratching the surface of. I think it's important that we recognize we seem to have quite extreme views as to what's happening in this area. The strata managers that I'm hearing from are saying, Amanda, owners have unrealistic expectations. And the owners that I'm hearing from say, Amanda, our strata manager doesn't communicate their value to us. So there may be something in this idea of perhaps arming owners with more regular updates and more regular reports as to what management fees they're being charged. And for those companies out there who are not doing that regularly, maybe that's something to implement for your owners. Yes, I agree to an extent there. Owners or committees? Owners I tend to find are less likely to be interested in something during the year 
it's at the end of the year when they see the bulk amount of the finances that have gone out. Something in bulk always looks worse than what it is. I tell them to break it down. What? We're paying the gardener $25,000. You break it down to a weekly basis. And personally, I wouldn't get out to bed for what some of these poor gardeners charge. (laughs) And that's where is sometimes the unrealistic costing comes in because it's grouped. We tend to send out what's called an agenda report. And in that report, there would be 36 pages, depending on the scheme. And it's all made up of finances. Repetitious, yes, but either ex-GST with GST, set out in groups, cleaning, lift, whichever it may be, or just set out as a cash book type of thing. Who's in arrears, who hasn't paid their levies, it's all in there. People just don't want to read. They just fixate on one fee, and that's the strata manager's fee. And as I said to you, why shouldn't we be able to charge these additional fees? Other professionals do. We are there for the owners to basically pick up the phone and answer their queries to be the police officer, to be the mediator between the neighbours, which I tend not to do. I tell people first what you need to do is go out there, mediate with your neighbour, ask them or tell them what your issue is because some of them don't know. It is all communication in this world and Mm. there is lack of it. You know, I can come into work, I'm ready to come in at 9 o'clock and start Something happened and I had to, on my way, call into a building. Somebody may have been locked in a lift. Nobody's there. The lift company can't get there. I know how to let them out or I know how to tell them to ring the company to get them out, whichever it may be. So I'm in here at maybe 10 o'clock, 10.30. There's four urgent emails that came through. And then because we had a burst pipe, I don't see it until 10.30, which is an hour and a half later. Mm. And poor Mrs. Jones has a rowboat in her apartment. And as I say, if it's urgent, pick up the phone, speak to somebody. There's always somebody here that can answer your question. And that is in 90% of strata companies. Peter did hit on my other nerve was that you can't speak to your strata manager. Well, in most companies, we engage the services of people to do the photocopying, do the posting, do the work orders to send out strata manager is left to do those day-to-day duties that are important and need to be have their full attention on, whether it be getting an agenda, making sure that those agenda items on there are correct, adding more agenda items, advising people on NCAT. It's another sore point of mine. But anyway, that's for another day. Well, it can be for today. You don't like advising people on NCAT and getting involved in the tribunal? Amanda, I've been to tribunal in the 20 years now probably five times. Three of those were for parking offences, which the three of them I was successful in. The last one, which has really, really put a bad taste in my mouth with NCAT, was the appointment of a strata manager by an executive committee at an executive committee meeting and the NCAT member was quite happy with that. Oh, dear. Yeah. So the ye little faith that I had in NCAT has been lost once again 
and it was to do with our company. We were requested to take the books and records back. I didn't want any arguments. I handed the books and records over and then next minute it was in the hands of NCAT. So the ruling was that um, NCAT was quite happy that a committee could appoint a strata managing agent. Mm, which just for our listeners' benefit, we know in New South Wales certainly is not the case. A strata manager must be appointed by the general meeting. So if this is what is happening in our industry that our owners are possibly doing right by having bylaws in place for noise, pets, building, renovations, and then some issue arises where we have to end up in NCAT and it is in black and white what we're asking the member to provide us and unfortunately it doesn't become black and white. It becomes one big legal battle between the respondent and the defendant, whichever it may be, and the case can go on for months and sometimes years. I did agree with Peter when he said that there is a lot of requirement that we need to do in legislation that probably needs changing. I believe that strata matters should possibly be taken from NCAT and go back to the old system where we had the strata commissioner and the commission there to determine these issues on a day-to-day basis, as whilst our members out there in NCAT are learned in strata and other areas, their day is made up not just of strata, tenancy issues, motor vehicle. I think we need an independent source where it is primarily just to do with the strata and community industry and for that commission if it so be called again, to make a determination. Yes, I think you're on the right track there, Donna. And I am always the first person, I hope, to be urging our strata managers to be charging more, to be valuing themselves first if they want their clients to value them. So I can see the hard work that you will do. I have a strata manager who manages my building. I see the hard work that she does, the managers in my community, the hard work that they do. There's certainly not a doubt in my mind that you have an incredibly important and difficult role. I don't envy you. And I am concerned when I see strata managers uh, lowering their fees or giving proposals with unrealistic base management fees simply to secure a building because that doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve the client and nobody should want to win the race to the bottom. But education, education, training, increasing the professional standard, I think is the solution here. And I am sure in your 20 years that you would say, you would much prefer working with owners who understand and are educated in the ways of the strata world. I'm sure there's a big difference in experience when you've got a committee that knows how it all is supposed to run. Amanda, I do have a tendency to be confident in what I do, the work that I do, and I relay that to my owners, especially my committee, that Not this is the way that we're going to do it, but the simple method is this. You will end up with possibly the right answer, maybe the wrong answer, 
but it'll be so much simpler for the rest of the building, the rest of the owners to understand. Give them the information. Don't go off and have these little committee meetings without the rest of the owners knowing. Or we'll just have an email meeting and decide on what we're going to do. I'm a big believer in the explanation in a motion and I believe I think the axe is up to 300 words. I don't think if you need to put 600 words in there, then you do so, that people are informed as to what they're voting on. A matter of type of matter only to be decided by the owner's corporation. 90% of owners would not know what that meant. <laughs> yeah. But that's the way it's typed up. You put an explanation to that, wonderful. Somebody then may say, well, I still don't understand and explain it to them. But, yes, I try to put myself in a position with my committee and my owner's corporation that I'm there to help, not to hinder. I'm not to make a decision. I'm there to advise. If we can get past that, then our journey through the strata life is probably going to be a breeze maybe. We'll trip and fall in some instances but if you have that rapport with your committee and your owners, then life is a lot easier in Strata. Mm. Donna, tell us where our listeners can go to connect with you. I'm sure many of them will be wanting to do that and how they can find out more about Len Robinson's Strata Management. It's www.lrsmlimaromeosierramike.com.au. Amanda, I just also have to say that I, in my 20 years, have been very fortunate in the strata industry that I have been able to call upon the assistance with the principal of our company, Len Robinson, and he has his own solicitor firm and his partner, Graham Davies, that uh, Len was the commissioner of titles for four years and Graham Davies worked in the land registry office for 40 years. So me just running down the stairs and asking a question has been a vital part of me staying in this industry for 20 years. Had I have not been able to get the answers so quickly, I think I would have given up quite easy and probably been out doing something different. It is so much easier to have an answer to go back to an owner's corporation that you could possibly feel confident in giving them that response. Mm. Education. Education, yes, the key piece, and I agree, that is how I was trained as a young lawyer, working very closely with a more experienced mentor, and you do notice the difference when you welcome in other professionals into your business or you're working with other professionals who haven't had that close mentoring. It's part of the reason for my passion for what I do here on the podcast and with the members inside our online community to try as best I can to be that person who can offer some answers where I'm able to do so and help make everybody's experience that little bit smoother. As you also advocate for Donna, I like your style. Thank you. Thanks for your time today. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I think that's it. I probably have a number of calls now to get to. <laughs> a few emails piling up there. A few emails just yes, yes. <laughs> well, thanks, Donna. I'll let you out into a busy day and catch up with you next time. Thank you very much, Amanda. 
Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?